0: The Bodybuilding Dietitians Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 107. And as always, you are joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. Now, before we get into today's episode, we just want to remind you, as always, that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please feel free to tell your family and friends about them, take a screenshot, post it to your social media stories. Also, if you are listening on the iTunes Podcast app, please feel free to leave us a rating and potentially write us a review that would be greatly appreciated. And without further ado, let's get into episode 107. So for this Q&A, we are starting off with this first question, which says, how do you know when you are fully recovered from a dieting phase?
1: Awesome. Great question to start with. So thought we'd disclaim to start off with because uh, it's important to recognize that everyone has different experiences. I think we're quite well-versed in this because we've done very extreme dieting phases like a comp prep and we've also done less extreme ones like a mini cut or a general diet and we've brought people through both of these sorts of dieting phases as well so this is definitely not a be-all and end-all list it's not a complete list but it's uh it's stuff that we've experienced
0: yeah absolutely you know i think it's certainly our take on the question
1: Mm. Yeah, and we wanted to break this into two different categories, so the psychological recovery and the physiological recovery. So which one should we start with?
0: How about we start with psychological? Because I feel like mindset certainly has a huge role to play when it comes to dieting.
1: Mm. And I would argue that this is probably the more complicated side as well, like physiological as long as you kind of eat more food over time, you will recover, your body will do its thing but the mind can be your worst enemy sometimes. Oh,
0: without a doubt.
1: Yeah. And again, something we both experience. So recovery, psychological, emotional. Okay. Where to start? So basically the the thing that comes to us first is food focus. So food focus, again, we're not going off textbook definitions here. I'm sure there's people who know more about intuitive eating than us and about the the true textbook definitions of that stuff. But again, this is just our experience with ourselves and clients. So food focus, basically your attention to detail in regarding to food and how much it absorbs your lifestyle and your thought processes. So an example of being very highly food focused would be planning out your day the night before on MyFitnessPal, for example, not for convenience or not for um, to be prepared but purely because you're that invested into Oh, I'm looking forward to what I'm gonna eat for example
0: yeah exactly you know or like you're sitting on the couch at night watching TV but like you can't even focus what's actually on Netflix because you're just thinking about your breakfast that you're gonna eat the next morning
1: mm. yeah and basically this is probably one of the more difficult ones to overcome and I think a big part of this is time and just Getting more body fat on you because it does depend what kind of diet you've done as well. Like for people in a comp prep, a lot of their psychological responses will be just due to being a low body fat. Whereas people who, let's say, have gone from 20 to 15 percent body fat, if they're experiencing food focus, it's not always going to be because they're an unhealthy level of body fat, because they're not. So it is quite a complicated topic,
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, but. Food-focused man, right? It can uh, it can really be the devil sometimes because again, you are literally so focused on food that it draws away your focus from other aspects of your life, right? like your work, like your studies, like your relationships, right? Because you're constantly just thinking about your next meal. You know, you're checking the clock, right? When do I get to eat again? Or sometimes like, you know, if you're not necessarily following any form of structured meal plan, right? And you're following more of a flexible dieting approach. Again, you can just spend like literally hours on MyFitnessPalau trying to play Tetris, right? Or you're like standing in the middle of the kitchen and you're like, Oh man, you know, like, do I want cream of wheat or do I want oats? Because if I have cream of wheat, I have a few extra grams of fat so I could put peanut butter on there, but Mm. I won't have as many carbs. So then I can't have as much cream of wheat. But if I have oats, I could have more oats, but I'm going to have less fat so I can't have peanut butter. And you'll be like, God damn, what do I actually want to eat? Right? So again, I would say that that would be a high level of food focus.
1: Mm. And I think it it causes a cycle because if you're more food f- focused, you think more about food, you associate with more things related to food. So you might watch the cooking show, you might follow pages on Instagram mm. related to food, like those burger pages and stuff like that. And that just reinforces the the food focus, and it just creates worse and worse and worse. And I've seen comp prep competitors, for example, who in the off season they're not very food focused, but then they'll kind of uh, go into their first competition. And They'll look at all those food pages. They'll plan out like from day one of prep They'll create a list or in their notes about what cheap meals am I going to have after prep or Mm -hmm. which restaurants am I going to go to? and I'm not gonna lie I've I've had thoughts of doing not doing that specifically but saying oh, I'm gonna enjoy this afterwards and the more I think about it The more food focused I get so it's I almost tell myself like Jack stop thinking about that you're gonna the times gonna come when you can enjoy some food, but now is not that time yeah. and I, I actually have to like, get myself out of that way of thinking.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I think we all have someone on social media who really goes overboard with posting the food <laughs> photos, right? They're like, you know what day it is, it's Waffle Wednesday and they'll post like 20 different photos on their stories of different waffle stacks, you know, with like syrup and chocolate and ice mm. cream and stuff and I'm like, man, you know, but again, for the level that we're at now even though yeah we're deep in prep we're hungry i would say that we don't necessarily have that level of food focus no. because we're so goal focused right now mm.
1: yeah so i guess that would be one of my tips in terms of knowing when you recovered because we got to send it back to the question here it's not how to become how to recover it's signs that you have recovered mm-hmm. so a sign that you have recovered would be you aren't as food focused. So if your friends say, let's go out to eat, you're like, cool, let's go. You're not worried about if it's gonna, how you're gonna make it work into your macros or if it's gonna fit or so on and so forth.
0: Or I think another thing is that fear of missing out. Again, like if you're following a macro-based plan, right? Like I would say when you're highly food focused, you want to make the most of those numbers, right? Like you want to try to fit in like some really good foods that you're really going to enjoy with those numbers essentially, whether mm-hmm. that's high volume foods or tasty foods or whatever, right? But I would say that you are highly food focused when you're granted the opportunity to eat something different. And that might pose a little bit of anxiety, Mm, right? Again, your friends are like, you know, Hey, let's go out to lunch here. But you're like, Oh man, but like, I really wanted to eat my lunch at home. You know, I really wanted to make my Lebanese bread pizza, right? Mm. Rather than go out to pizza with you guys. Like, I'm sorry, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it right. Or like, you just I mean, go out and you don't enjoy it, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: and that resonates, I think, with both of us, especially in the post-competition period or the, the prep period because, like, let's say our family is like, let's go out to dinner, but then we're like, oh, but then I'm going to have to sacrifice my...
0: Salad with yeah, steak. <laughs> or my,
1: my cream of... I'm going to have to eat a smaller amount of cream of wheat at lunch because I'm going out to dinner. But, like, in the off-season when, when we're not food-focused at all or that's uh, subjective but like I couldn't care less I'll go out with my parents I'll just eat a little bit less at my other meals yeah
0: exactly or you just change your goals for that one meal you're like I'll just base it off protein and calories right rather than trying to aim for a specific amount of carbs because again you have to live your life I think another point is also the timing right if someone's like hey do you want to go for a walk like The first thing you think of is like, oh, yeah, do I want to go for a walk? Rather than, you know, you look at the clock, you're like, oh, they want to go for a walk at 1130. Mm. I usually eat my lunch at 1130. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go for this walk. I feel like when you're in the improvement season or when you're just not deep in a dieting phase, you don't think of, you know, the timing of your meal first. You're like, cool, I could go for a walk at 1130 and then come home at 1230 and have lunch then. It's only an hour later, right? I'm going to be okay.
1: Well, like I, I was so like non-food focused in the off season that like, I let's say there was a time when I had like a physio appointment and I think the physio appointment clashed with lunch, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just eat two hours earlier, and like I just because I was so non-food focused, like I just ate the food and then trained afterwards, like it. Whereas now I'd be there was no way I would be scheduling a physio appointment around my lunch because I yeah. wanna take my time to make it eat it in silence Mm. or whatever and then (laughs) enjoy it and then not have to rush to a physio or be at the physio.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think it's important to admit that too, right? Like, yes, when you are deep in a dieting phase, it's very normal, you know, again, to want to take the time to enjoy your food, Mm. right? Like, because again, you're hungry. Okay. And that's perfectly okay. But at the same time, there's always these different phases. Mm. But yeah,
1: I wouldn't even argue that it's in a dieting phase, it's, it's not even like, it's just a response. It's mm. not sure. There can be, it can get obsessive. It can get unhealthy, but I think to a certain extent it's, it's normal. It's within the realms of normal. I would say again, it's quite a controversial topic to say that normal because like we're not normal, I know. but yeah, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I guess You know and it's just about like not having that fear of missing out Mm. right or like you know if you eat something i'd say like for example when you're deep in a dieting phase right like and let's say you make oats for breakfast and that's your like one really carbohydrate dense meal for the day Mm. and then your oats over explode in the microwave i'd say you are very food focused if that bothers you for the rest of the day right because you're like God damn, it was going to be such a perfect day, but then my oats overexploded in the microwave.
1: Or if you throw the oats out because you think, oh, there's some left in the microwave, so I'm going to make a new batch now. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's a high level of food focus. Whereas... I mean, I would just scoop them up, put them back in the bowl in, in the improvement season. <laughs> Get a
0: spatula out, man, right? Yeah. Or even like your degree of accuracy, right? Like, for example, I'm going to admit right now, because I'm trying to track everything to the gram, right? I'm four days out from a competition. When I put something onto the scale, let's say I'm trying to measure out 100 grams of oats and I pour my oats in and it goes over to 102 grams, right? Right. I'm going to admit right now, I actually pour all the oats back into the tub, tar the scale again. And then I perfectly pour a hundred grams, even without just taking out those two grams, just because I'm like, I just want to be that accurate. But in the improvement season, you know, if I pour in 102 grams of oats, I'm like, well, I guess I mean 102 <laughs> grams of oats, like who's going to stop me. Right. Because this is not going to make a difference.
1: Yeah. And I think for us, like, again, we're talking about not everyone is prepping, but we do follow a certain sort of general guideline in terms of the pre-prep phase and Mm. the prep phase and the off season phase and the certain sort of lifestyle the way you want to live your life in association with those. So like, for example, off season is very laid back. As Tierra said, you might not even track during the off season Mm -hmm. or you might do what Tierra said. You might be a lot looser, which I think is amazing. And then as you go through the different phases, so like the pre-prep phase and then the prep phase, you would slowly tighten up those screws in terms of accuracy. And as a result, due to body fat, you're going to be more inclined to do that anyway. Yeah. But um, I'm going to cut you off there because we need to answer the second half of the question. Okay. But basically, to sum that up, I would say, I would say, food focus relates to the vast majority of your psychological response to, mm-hmm. to recovery, and using some of the kind of criteria that we mentioned about how you would monitor that food focus would be a sign of. Being recovered.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. So essentially if you're less food focused, right, you're just not going to be as focused on food. You're not going to be as bothered by food. Again, when something comes up spontaneously, right, where you're not going to be eating your normal, regular meals, that doesn't pose any sort of anxiety, mm. right? Your heart rate doesn't go up. You don't worry. You just go with the flow and you eat some food mm. and you move on with your life.
1: Hey guys, just a reminder that we post regular content on our Instagram and YouTube channel. You can find those platforms by searching The Bodybuilding Dietitians. See you there. And I'll just say one last thing. Like, I've had uh, clients and past competitors tell me, like they message me after the show, like not even my clients, other people, and they're like, Jack, I I don't know when this is going to end. Like, all I can think about is food and I don't know how to make it stop. And it can be quite confronting sometimes but this is where we'll get into the physiological but I honestly think that the best thing you can do is improve your physiological measures to improve your psychological measures. Oh yeah. And and time will also be the biggest healer as well.
0: hmm So yeah, again, moving into physiological now, right? We're really talking about our bodies. So essentially if you've gone through a really rough dieting phase, right, you need to get some more body fat on you mm-hmm. and you do need to increase your weight.
1: Yeah. So again this is there's no sort of uh objective data as far as i'm aware to say this but i would say anything below 10 percent as a male 10 percent body fat approximately is where you're going to be very food focused mm-hmm. and i would judge myself at eight to nine percent now and yeah i'm food focused that's for sure and i think after a prep phase as we've talked about so many times the recovery diet you want to get your body weight up higher so around like five to ten percent of your stage weight in the first four to eight weeks post comp Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's definitely a good number to aim for for sure you know and not just necessarily your body fat levels and your scale weight and things like that but also making sure that you're having regular blood work done we recommend that people have blood work done at least every six months just to ensure that they are in good health and don't have any deficiencies
1: And this is natural people too, like where you can assume on this podcast that when we talk about blood work, it's not related to the other side of the coin.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, if you are taking performance enhancing drugs, then you do need to have blood work regularly done much sooner than just every six months. Mm. Yeah. But essentially, you know, definitely having it done at least every six months and just getting a full blood panel from your doctor. But especially for males, right, who go through really aggressive dieting phases as bodybuilders, right, of course, you know, testosterone and those different reproductive hormones are going to be suppressed.
1: Yeah, definitely. And just in males and females as well. So, of course, we can look at that objectively in a blood test, but for in other countries where it might be expensive to have a blood test done or it might not be possible, then just going off general signs of low hormonal status so for example having low drive versus having a lot of drive so like that's another thing with dieting from like 20 to 15 percent you won't actually lose that drive necessarily you'll be hungry and you might be tired but you won't lose that drive that men get from testosterone
0: yeah so can you describe that for me sorry like what Uh, do you mean by drive
1: it's, I don't know, it's kind of hard to describe. I guess libido is another word. Mm-hmm. And also like, you know that feeling where when you turn on one of your favorite songs and you get that endorphin rush and you get, you're like, you turn it on as full volume, like it might be heavy metal, they're shouting at you and you really suck yourself up for that set. Like that's, that's basically what, if I had to explain drive, that's what drive is. Okay. Or when you wake up in the morning and you're like, yeah, I'm really prepared to attack this day.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And like low testosterone, that's kind of symptoms of low testosterone is not having as much drive.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. And that would certainly tie in with your energy availability. Because mm. again, like as you're dieting, energy availability will naturally go down, of course, and you essentially just have less energy available, you know, to expend in your life, right? So you won't be as inclined to do those little things like turn on one of your favorite songs and sing along and dance along mm. and you know bounce between your sets at the gym or or, you know, if someone asks you to do something around the house, like, hey, can you take out the trash? Or, you know, what do you mind washing my bowl? You're like, hell yeah, I'll do it. Mm. Right. But when energy's really low, it's like, is that a freaking joke? <laughs>
1: yeah. And that's in my own experience in prep, like I hit a point and I, I thought it wasn't going to happen this year, but it did where I get just as much motivation from like an audio book or a podcast that I do from heavy metal, mm-hmm. and in the off season, I, I really like some sort of loud music, heavy metal or punk or rock, and it gives me a real good boost, uh, but in prep, I'm, I'm at that this point now where it's just noise in my ear.
0: Yeah, I'm the exact same. Sometimes, honestly, like when I get to my fourth or my fifth lower carbohydrate day of the week, like when I go for a walk every single morning, I always try my best to turn on a podcast, you mm-hmm. know, and nine out of 10 times I will, but like sometimes toward those very last low carb days. Right. And like, I haven't had a meal yet. It's like early in the morning, I'm fasted. Like I can't even focus on what they're saying in the podcast. Yeah. I'm like, God, like this is awesome info, but like, it's just going through one ear and out the other. Right. I'm like, I can, I literally cannot focus on this. So I actually have to turn off the podcast and turn on some music because I'm like my mind, right? Yeah. Like there's not enough freaking glucose in there. <laughs> so like once you can give things your full freaking attention and, your full energy to life, I would say that's another huge sign that you have truly Mm. recovered from your diet.
1: Yeah. For me, when I'm sitting on the couch at night and the TV remote is on the opposite side of the couch, I know I'm recovered when I willingly shove over there and and grab the remote
0: yeah man it's just those it's those little things right those little signs or like for example you know you'll i'll be in the kitchen right and i'll call out something to jack in the other room and again this is if i have low energy and uh, i hear jack from the other side of the house he's like what and i like i don't even want to repeat myself so i'll just like i won't even mutter it because again that will take energy so i'll just say in my head like oh doesn't even matter (laughs) I'll ask him later when he's within closer proximity and I don't have to like talk so loud
1: yeah and I mean some I'm actually on a diet break at the moment and I've noticed that even after like four or five days at at maintenance my a lot of these signs have improved like more in terms of the energy availability Mm -hmm. so like willing being willing to expend energy and stuff like that so it's a positive sign that it's coming back fairly rapidly But the, the hormonal side of things is going to take a bit longer. But if we had to wrap this section up, I would say that basically you'll know when you're recovering, when like your, your hormones come up objectively through a blood test, or if you're getting those more subjective measures of, um, increase in recovery. So like drive and willingness to move and expend Mm -hmm. energy, all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. And I guess a few last things to just wrap up or like from physiological too, you might even notice little things on your own body, right? Like when you're deep into a dieting phase, you might actually notice that your hair doesn't grow back as fast, mm. which is kind of nice. You know, if you're a girl who usually shaves her legs every few days, but you're like, Hey, you know, these hairs are kind of a uh, cooperating and they're not <laughs> growing back as fast. Right. So that's something too. But once you have more energy available, your body will start to do things like grow hair faster or again if you're deep in a dieting phase and you get a cut on your arm or you get a bruise that shiz can take like weeks to heal sometimes because again you just don't have the same amount of energy available Dry skin's another one yeah dry skin right to actually attend to that and like wound healing but man when you're like on 450 carb a day and you're bouncing off the walls boy like you're not gonna get bruised Mm. right so those little things. Oh yeah. (laughs) Invincible. But I guess another thing we didn't even touch on was just training, right? Like, you know that you are recovered from a diet when your training is like freaking through the roof and you can train really hard and you can Mm. recover and you're pumped up for every session. You don't feel like you're dragging your feet. You don't feel like when you get under just a squat bar without any weights that you're actually lifting the world, you know, these little things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's training is a huge one. And I I honestly can't wait to, to get big and put on body fat and get stronger again mm-hmm. and feel like I'm not a man, but like feel <laughs> like I'm, I'm lifting some weight and improving my physique. Yeah. Cause like, I guess you always want what you can't have. And when I'm in the off season, I want to be shredded. When you're shredded, you want to be improving on your physique, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I, I'm not enjoying the process right now. It just means I'm, I'm motivated and looking forward to the off season, which I think is the best spot to be in personally
0: yeah hell yeah all right guys well we probably didn't cover absolutely everything Definitely again not. but because of, you know it's a fully loaded question but hopefully that gave yeah. you like 22 minutes worth of insight
1: <laughs> and we we put, we did relate it more to prep we didn't relate it as much to lifestyle weight loss but naturally we're going to do that because we're in prep
0: absolutely Okay. So moving on to this next question, it has two parts. The first one says, how much fiber do we both eat in prep and in the off season? And have we ever experienced any negative effects from too high or too low of changes in fiber?
1: Cool. Let's both answer part one and then we'll both answer part two. So part one, how much do I consume in the off season and in prep? So... I consume a lot regardless, just mm-hmm. because in, in the off season when my carbs are high, like my carbs are high, so I naturally get a decent amount of fiber. And then in prep, when my carbs are lower, I eat more whole, whole grain based foods uh, or whole foods I should say, and my, my fiber is higher. So in, in the improvement season, it's around 75 to 100 grams a day in prep it's around 100 to 125 grams a day and that'll just fluctuate depending on what foods i choose and yeah i've um i've always had a high fiber intake it it doesn't really fluctuate that much i think that's the main reason you run into danger with fiber is if it fluctuates so if you have like 30 grams one day then 100 the next you're going to get some gi distress but yeah i'll let you go before we elaborate further
0: yeah without a doubt you know I think over the years I've definitely had my gut adapt to tolerate very high amounts of fiber and right now during prep it's probably around 60 grams per day but in the improvement season you know it can definitely be closer up and again based on my food choice is probably anywhere between 80 to 100 grams per mm. day right and there's actually nothing wrong with having a high fiber diet. Again, as long as you train your gut to be able to, you know, tolerate high amounts of fiber because generally having a high fiber diet is actually indicative that you have a pretty darn nutritious diet. Yeah. Because, you know, where do we get fiber from? Right? We get fiber from plants. So it's usually indicative that you're eating plenty of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, pulses. The only exception, of course, would be if you're just eating a bunch of quest bars, <laughs> you know, and or fiber supplements. Yeah, and fiber supplements, right? But for the most part, you know, if you're eating a lot of plants, like that's going to do you some good, mm. right? But again, like you said, just make sure that you're not swinging from lows to highs and yeah. you're keeping things fairly consistent. Hey guys, just a reminder that we don't just coach physique athletes, but we do coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. Therefore, if you are interested in getting in touch with us regarding our coaching services, you can always head over to our website at www.thebodybuildingdietitians.com, or alternatively click the link in the show notes below.
1: Yeah. The, what I'll add in there is I think if you have a very high fiber diet, like I would say above 75 grams a day, you have to be a little bit more careful about your nutrient choices especially nutrients that can be interfered with things like oxalates and tannins and, and dietary fiber as well. So like calcium and dietary iron as well, because basically dietary fiber can interfere with the absorption of those nutrients. So if let's say if you're a female who's menstruating and you are at higher risk of, of low blood iron then, and combined with only eating like red meat once or twice a week, combined with a high fiber intake, your chances are you're going to be iron deficient. So you need to be a bit more careful in, in that situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that, again, that ties in with having regular blood work too.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I guess those are our how much fiber that we eat during an improvement season and the off season, right? And again, recommendations for fiber for the average female it's twenty five grams a day. For the average male, it's thirty grams a day. If you want to base it off the total amount of energy you're consuming, it's around fourteen grams per thousand calories, mm. which I would just argue, man, like should be so freaking mm. achievable.
1: Yeah, if you're having six serves of veg per day as a guy or five for females and having a few whole grains during the day, you should be well and truly ahead of that.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, if you're like, hey, I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and I eat my oats, like, but you take a look on your MyFitnessPal and it says that you're only on nine grams of fiber for the day, right? In that case, double check your entries, right? Mm. Because again, sometimes you might just type in, you know, a carrot, right, into MyFitnessPal. And hell, maybe even the macros are correct in terms of fats and protein and carbohydrates, right? And the calories too, but that specific carrot entry might actually not be tracking fiber. So yeah. make sure, again, you're using things like nut tab entries, USDA entries, so that, you know, it's actually taking mm. into account the fiber too on MyFitnessPal.
1: Yeah. I would even encourage people, because I'm sure the majority, actually, I don't know, but if you don't track, I'll be interested to know the the percentage of our listeners that track. I, I would assume maybe 40 to 50%, mm-hmm. maybe more. But if you don't track, then head over to either MyFitnessPal or Chronometer. I think Chronometer is web-based, which would be more convenient. But basically, plug in your full day of eating, like approximate portion sizes and, or grams, and it'll spit out your fiber intake. So it would be good, because like, if you're, let's say, chronically having a low fiber intake, that is gonna to lead to repercussions down the line in your digestive health. Like it's not gonna happen maybe next month or next year, but combine that by 50 years, you're gonna run into some problems.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. So fiber, you know, guys, it's good stuff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but uh, the I guess the second part quickly is have we ever run into issues ourselves? So for me, I'm blessed. like my father's a gastroenterologist, which for those of you who don't know, it's basically a gut doctor. So I, I think I was brought up, fortunately having good uh, good gut hygiene in terms of what I ate and, and my gut habits and all that kind of stuff. Like even the speed of which I eat, going to the bathroom regularly, drinking enough water, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Sounds weird to think of that as a kid, but I guess that's what happens when you're, when your parents are doctors. And yeah, so I've never really had any digestive issues with a high fiber intake. The only thing I will say is, like if I, if I decide to have like 400 to 500 grams of black beans, which I do sometimes in the off season, <laughs> like Tierra's dad makes these refried beans, which are really nice. Oh,
0: they are so good. You can't stop at just hundred grams. Yeah. You got to eat 500 grams of those things.
1: And, um, so sometimes like I'll, I'll notice that, okay, I've had a lot of fiber here.
0: <laughs> I noticed too.
1: <laughs> and not not even discomfort just like okay that's just really weighing heavily compared to my usual pasta or rice yeah and so things like that but i don't get any any of the ibs symptoms which is good
0: yeah that's good i think for me it's only just specific foods that just don't agree with me very well you mm. know things like onions and stuff like that you know like yeah onions are super healthy for you but like man they just make my guts go whack right Mm -hmm. so that's the only thing that's really bothered me but it's not necessarily the actual total amount of grams of fiber but interesting that we got this question this week because i am in peak week right now like i'm four days out from my very first show of the season and what i've actually noticed these past few weeks is that i've definitely been dieting you know like i've definitely been in a caloric deficit i've felt every single symptom of dieting, but my scale weight has been really freaking whack. It was just jumping all over the place, which was very frustrating, but it actually came down to the fact that I was actually increasing my vegetable intake because as carbohydrates would get lower in order to combat that with higher amounts of food volume. So I could stay satiated. I was swapping out a lot of my carbohydrate based foods for just more vegetables, right? So For the last few weeks, like, I've just been eating, I'm gonna admit, like, just a stupid amount of vegetables, you know, like...
1: Well, I'm in the same boat, dude.
0: Yeah, but, like, probably a kilogram and a half of vegetables every day, you know, like, a lot of cabbage, like, a lot of celery, carrots, cauliflower, tomatoes, cucumbers, a lot of food. Right. And what I've actually done for this past peak week is essentially I haven't, I haven't totally eliminated vegetables, but essentially I've gone from like an extreme of a kilogram and a half of vegetables back down to the average recommendations <laughs> of around 400 grams per day. Right. So sure, you're not that low. Uh, 400 grams per day. Uh, around that actually. Wow. So you I really know.
1: have decreased it by a lot. Yeah.
0: And that's also why my weight's dropped 1.2 kilograms in the mm. last three days is because literally like extra fiber i think one of the issues that you can run into is just a hell of a lot of extra food bulk right and just a lot of stuff in your guts so essentially as a bikini competitor right now in peak week i want to be getting on stage with a teeny tiny waist i don't want to be getting on stage and being like it's a cabbage <laughs>
1: <laughs> repeat what happened in in the gym someone asked you if you were pregnant
0: oh yeah i'm like oh no i've just been getting amongst the salads brah but yeah essentially that's the only issue i've really run into is just having a very distended stomach from eating too many vegetables so this past week right despite being a dietitian, i'm making an exception to not eat copious amounts of vegetables i'm being a little bit more responsible so yeah that's the only issue i've ever run into is just you know really fluctuating scale weights very distended stomach but once you taper that down a bit you go right and your Mm -hmm. belly comes in
1: Yeah, I'll be. I haven't done that yet. This prep, but in peak week I will be cutting out my final meal Mm -hmm. of of literally like fifteen serves of veg, (laughs) so like that. I I'm excited to see what what results that has. And your
0: waist is already tiny, man. So again, like it's gonna be like you've been wearing a corset or something. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. Yeah, but I think those are the only issues we've run into. But Mm. for the most part, guys, fiber is good stuff, man.
1: We could get into more about people being. A bit scared of fiber, like having preconceived notions of self-diagnosing themselves with IBS and not having enough fiber, Mm -hmm. which again is creating a cycle of, of those IBS symptoms because they're not having enough fiber. But I think that, um, I would recommend listening to the podcast we did with my father, actually Dr. Graham Radford Smith. He, we talked a lot about gastroenterology and gut health. So if you're more interested on fiber and gut health and IBS and IBD, go listen to that episode.
0: Yeah, I can't believe we recorded that back in September. Bro. Wow. Yeah, it feels like just yesterday. But yeah, that was a great episode. So for anyone wondering, that was episode 87 of the podcast. Phenomenal. Mm. Really good. But uh, yeah, I guess that's our take on fiber. Eat a diversity of it. Get amongst the plants, guys. But Jack, I want to know, what did you learn this past week?
1: Cool. So I learned that you lose body fat in funky places And we know that you can't really, well the the evidence isn't that strong for spot reducing body fat. Like you kind of just lose it wherever your body wants to lose it. And people will lose it in different areas depending on who they are or they might have more muscle density there which might translate to different amounts of loss. But I've actually, for the last few weeks I've been losing a lot on my feet or I've just gotten to that tipping point where I've realized that I don't have much body fat on the soles of my feet anymore. And it actually, it sounds like wussy to say it, but it honestly hurts to walk barefoot now on my on our wooden floorboards. And not like all of my foot, but because you know you have that little bone on next to your pinky that mm-hmm. sticks out. It's quite prominent in me to begin with, and now that I've lost fat around that little bone, it like it, it's it's really digging into the ground when I walk. It's almost like there's a wound there. So now I have to wear like uh, shoes or 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 flip-flops in the house whenever I walk.
0: Yeah, it's crazy that we discovered that, right? And it makes so much sense. I never thought of it in the past as losing body fat off my feet. I thought I was just like, I'm in prep, you know, like I'm walking so much, right? And like, I'm just building up all this edema, no wonder my feet are so swollen and they ache. But hell, it makes so much sense that you're losing body fat off those things. Mm. And even as a girl, right? Like if you, as prep goes on, you keep losing weight you have to keep tightening your heels. Otherwise your feet start slipping around in your heels or you just, yeah, your watch gets more loose, right? If anyone wears rings, your rings start falling off real funky.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's very interesting. And, and of course, sitting down on the glutes like that's a bit more painful.
0: <laughs> I guess that's something we can add to when you know you're recovered from a diet, right? It doesn't hurt to walk around your house anymore, <laughs> right? And you can sit on a wooden chair and be like, Ooh, there's actually some more cushion on my tush.
1: Mm. Very true. But what did you learn this week?
0: So I guess it wasn't just this week, but I guess it's been the past few weeks, right? But I've pretty much learned that you need to give a TV series a good shot, right? Because sometimes the first few episodes, you're like, yeah, this is all right, you know? And I guess because I'm in prep and I don't necessarily have all the energy to change the channel, right? We might as well watch this for our 45 minutes every night while we watch Netflix. But essentially... These past few weeks, we started watching Better Call Saul, which is like the... Not necessarily the sequel. The spinoff. It's the spinoff of Breaking Bad, or which...
1: technically prequel as well.
0: Yes. The spinoff prequel of Breaking Bad, which, oh my goodness gracious, if you guys haven't seen Breaking Bad at least twice in your <laughs> life, I don't know what to say to you. But it, yeah, Breaking Bad, man, that is like one of the best TV shows in the world, yeah. right? God, like does anything rank higher than breaking bad not for me no it is just so darn good yeah anyway we've watched that about twice now so um yeah love it anyway better call saul the first few episodes i was like yeah this is all right but it's definitely gotten better as it's gone on Mm. so um yeah better call saul it's good i like it so which season are we up to
1: i think season three Season three. there's the sixth one's coming out this year.
0: Epic. Yeah, I like it. It's good.
1: Mm. I just, I like the style of directing. It's just a bit more out there Mm -hmm. compared to your run of the mill, HBO, or I don't know. I'll I'll be embarrassed if um, Better Call Saul is HBO, but (laughs) maybe it's, I don't know. But uh, different to your regular things like Game of Thrones and and the walking dead and whatever else it might be. Yeah. The
0: scenes are really long. Mm. Right. And you know how like whenever you want to go to bed at night, you're like, okay, we'll just stop at the end of this scene. I'm like looking at my watch. I'm like, man, it's almost eight forty-five, but this scene just started. <laughs> but yeah, better <laughs> call Saul. I think
1: like that, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe I'm just sleep focused. I'm always looking at my watch kind of like how people are food focused but yeah Better Call Saul it's very good you know and I love how you know the characters keep popping up that we're in Breaking Bad it's mm. like oh man do you remember him right it's Tuco <laughs> right so I love it so good
1: awesome well thanks for listening guys if you enjoyed this episode you can repost it onto your social media story tag myself tag Tierra tag TBD and we will catch you next week
0: bye